Hey guys, this is Amber L.B. Swenson. Way back last fall, I had the opportunity to record some podcasts with my friend and fellow Time of Grace staffer, Linda Buxa. Back then, we had no idea what was ahead of us. As you may already know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And one of the topics that's very close to Linda's heart is mental health and suicide prevention. So we recorded a two-part series on that topic. Last fall, we could have never known the COVID crisis that was coming or all the issues that would surround that crisis. The economy, unemployment, anxiety, stress, worry, all the things that so many people have been dealing with. It seems this topic is even more relevant to us today now. So I hope that you find this podcast with my good friend, Linda, meaningful. Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today's topic is, hey, I'm not okay. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I have been writing and teaching Bible studies for the past 15 years. I've worked with women, youth, Sunday school. I've been blogging for Time of Grace since 2017. I've written two books for them. Really what you need to know is that I love the Lord and I love the Word of God. And I find that the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more astounded I am that He loves us and that He notices us and that He cares so deeply about our lives. And my role is really to get people into the Word and to show them how awesome it is and to really get them to a place that they want to know and love God more. That's kind of my mission in life in a nutshell. I am at St. Marcus in Milwaukee today, and I am joined by Linda Buxa. Hello, Linda. Hi, thanks for having me. It's yep. fun to be here. I used to be a member here years and years ago, so it's kind of like coming home. And this is my first time here, so it's not at all like coming home. It's kind of like getting lost. So this is a great topic because, um, hey, I'm not okay. We're really going to be talking about mental wellness. And I'd like to start off today by mentioning that um, Passion Conference is a conference for 18 to 25-year-olds, and Louis Giglio is a pastor. And last year he spoke at Passion 2019, and his um, talk part of his talk, a big part of his talk, is the uh, focused on the suicide rate that among teens and young adults, which has hit sort of a crisis point. And he had just mentioned that he had spoken at a conference in Washington, D.C. to 4,000 people. He had left the stage. The band was wrapping things up. And when um, he was backstage, he just had this overwhelming feeling that someone in the audience was gonna commit suicide. And so he stopped the band and he went out and he just started talking to the audience again, 4,000, 18 to 25 year olds. And he said, guys, I just get the very strong feeling that someone here is thinking about suicide, already has a plan in place, has written the letter, and they really plan to carry it out. And I don't know if I'm way off base, but I think this is too important to ignore. And so everybody was standing up. They were listening to the band 
prior to this. And so they were standing up and he asked everybody to close their eyes. And he said, if this is you, I want you to raise your hand. And in the next minute, between one to 200 of those 4,000 kids raised their hands. And he said he was so overwhelmed by the fact that he had been talking to one to 200 people who had a plan in place, a letter written, and even after being at a Christian outing, they had every intention of taking their life. And so that when I heard that talk from the Passion Conference, it was very eye-opening to me because when you're in your own little bubble, it's very easy to not realize how epidemic the suicide thing is, is getting. It's actually the number two cause of death for people, uh, teens and young adults right now, followed by homicide. So I'm either going to kill myself or I'm going to kill you, which is a much different world than you and I grew up in, Linda. I mean, I don't remember, I do remember um, one kid in high school committing suicide. But, you know, we didn't have the mass shootings. We didn't have the same, whereas now, last year in my children's school, two people committed suicide between September and December. So this is becoming more and more of an issue. Have you noticed too, or should I say, do you have, are you in the middle of a dialogue with teens about the susceptibility of suicide? My teens know I'm super passionate about the mental wellness topic. Um, suicide for them is not on their radar, but I have a number of friends who are school counselors and her first thing is immediately, if someone talks about self-harm, it's, do you have a plan in place? I mean, and it's not only in the high school, she's in an elementary school. Yes, that is a very important thing to bring up. And Actually, that's very true. I have a friend who, whose son committed suicide when he was 13. Yeah, he was at the junior high level. So you are absolutely right. It's not a high school young adult thing even. It's going lower and lower now. Right. And to hear, do you have a plan? And one thing is, um, when we lived in Alaska, we know a man who took his own life. And the statistics are there that if you have a parent who has committed suicide, the odds are higher that you might too. And because all of a sudden now that coping mechanism, if you want to call it that, is in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. And and that's a scary thing to me, too, is if you can pass that down, if that is something where people see it, and once suicide ideation and suicides are in the conversation, other kids are putting that option in their toolbox. I think that's really important to to mention. I think another thing that's really important to mention is one of the um, teens, high schoolers, who committed suicide last year at my children's school had a party the night that he committed suicide, had a lot of friends over. It was his goodbye party. They had no idea. Mm. Um, so I think we think if someone's going to commit suicide that we should be able to see that they're super depressed and that... There are things that they're struggling with, but that is not always the case. In this instance, his friends were absolutely devastated 
when they found out the next morning that he had committed suicide because they did not see it coming at all. And I know we're tending to focus on teens right now, but that just made me think there was a pastor of a megachurch on the last suicide prevention day who had that morning performed a funeral for a woman who had committed suicide and he had been tweeting about suicide and you are loved and there is hope and hours later he was dead by suicide right and people knew that he had had some struggles but those kind of messages sound like you're winning the struggles right and it can be a very silent thing to be but i think one of the things that you hit on that's really important is just the idea of taking that out of your toolbox as a means of escape because that's what Louis Giglio at that conference that night, he prayed over the people and he said, guys, you know, God's plan for you is life. God's plan is not that you snuff this out. This is a gift. And, you know, if you need help, man, let's get you help. Let's not, let's, let's take this out of your toolbox. Let's take this off the table. Um, so lots, and I think it starts with open discussion, right? To get that off the table. So what are some of the options? You know, in my family, so Louis mentioned in the rest of his talk, things that lead up to it are, um, for one thing, we don't have as many fathers in the family anymore. And that stability is gone. But another thing is the whole social media world that can make it seem like your problems are bigger than they are because you're not measuring up. In my family, my teens still turn in their phones every night. 10 o'clock, we have a rule, they turn them in because I want them to be able to go to bed and not worry about what anybody's saying to them. I don't want them to have to see that picture. I want their brains to be totally shut down, getting rest. That's just one thing that we've chosen to do in our family. And by the way, that is not something my teens are proud of, nor do they like. But every now and then we do let them keep their phone all night long for some reason, you know, or whatever. But that's just one coping mechanism that we have found that's helpful to just shut the chatter off for a little bit. Yeah. And I think to telling kids that, yes, your pain might end, but you're actually, pain doesn't end then. You are transferring pain and other people, there is a wreckage behind for those who are left to cope and live and grieve. And that's why one of the things I love is seeing either the tattoo or the necklace of the semicolon. Yes, right. It's not the end of the story. Yes. It's just a pause. Correct. And telling kids that hard can be dealt with. Um, one of my friends, one of her phrases is awkward fades. And it's a good reminder when you're in the middle of something where you feel awkward in high school. Awkward will fade. People are going to forget that. Um, Hard can end. Hard will pass. You can do hard things. And we're not going to pretend that hard and messy are easy. No. But you get through them. You do, and I think that's such an important message for people to have hope. I have just come out of an incredibly difficult three years, and where I really um, 
felt totally alone in a situation, completely and totally alone. And by the end of the situation, I really was fighting a battle all by myself. And um, a lot of people had come against me. And at the end of the situation, even my husband was like, why are you still fighting this battle? And June 1st of this year, that battle ended. I walked away from a situation and I got to leave it behind. But I can start to cry at the drop of a hat when I hear a song that takes me back to that place. But the important thing is knowing that in the middle of those three years, it really stunk. And there were days that I cried for weeks on end. You know, I would, I would come home from a meeting with somebody and I would cry and I couldn't stop. And two weeks later, my husband would say, all right, come on, like, why are you still crying over this? Because it hurts so bad. But I have to say that it's really important to recognize the lifelines in the middle of that. So yes, I was in a situation where I felt very alone, but I was not alone because so many times, whether it was a song that came on the Christian radio station that spoke directly to me, I mean, it went straight to my heart, or one of the podcasts that I listened to that dealt with, man, you are in the struggle. Don't give up. God sees you. He knows. Or reading my Bible. I became very good friends with Jeremiah because Jeremiah, the whole last 10 chapters of the book of Jeremiah is Jeremiah hanging out, trying to warn the people, the Babylonians are coming and they're all hating him. They all hated him. They threw him in a cistern. They locked him up in a prison. They gave him stale bread. You know, and he was, by all accounts, all totally alone. But you know what happened in the very last chapter of the book of Jeremiah? The king of Babylon sent his people over there. And the first things they did is said, where's Jeremiah? Come with us. Because somehow, someway, maybe Daniel through Nebuchadnezzar. He was already working in the palace or whatever, but he had said, there's a man of God that I really want you to spare. It doesn't matter how it came about. The bottom line was God was looking out for Jeremiah in the dark, in the dirty, in the hard, in the messy. We see the same thing with Joseph when Joseph was in prison. And we get this great little phrase that said, even in prison, God's hand was on Joseph. And so I think it's so important for us to realize no matter how hard, how messy, how horrible it is, and when we don't see the bright future of tomorrow, God sees, God knows, and he's, he's with you in the depth. And he will throw you those lifelines, and they're going to be in your word, in his word. They're going to be through other Christians who are going to remind us of their struggles and their hard times. They might be through Christian friends or Christian songs, but they're there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, too, if you use psalms as your prayers, I mean, they are raw and real about I am groaning and I am in pain and I am in a pit. And then by the end, it's and I will praise you. Right. And there is still coming out of that there is a hope and a future that waits and you might not see it today and you might not see it tomorrow and you might not see it for three whole years but it's there right and i think we have to tell our stories and pay attention to kids 
I am blessed to work in a high school because I have high school age kids and one college daughter. And to be able to see how funny and creative and smart and awesome these teens are, they are so blessed. And at the same time, they are so struggling with things that I was so unaware of. Totally oblivious. Yep. And to be able to look at them, I can't look at all 400 teens in the school, but I can look at the ones that I come into contact with and I can notice them. And I think that's the call for anybody who has a teen in their life is to notice them, to ask them questions, to be in touch, to create a safe space to be. I remember when I was a teenager, I had Grandma Merton, and it was this woman in our church who was not my actual grandma, but she was my adopted grandma, and she would every so often pull me aside and just be like, if you ever need to talk to about anything, I'm here. She's like, my daughter used to just say, Mom, I need to go shopping, and that was code for I need to talk to you. And that's really great. That is really, really great and important because it can be really hard for um, especially siblings to say something in front of other siblings when they're struggling. So to have that code word, I think that's a very practical thing that you can do. And I think the other thing that you hit on that's very important, too, is that safe space. Um, I know with my two children who started new schools this year, and it's not easy to start high school not knowing people. It's not easy to start junior high. And I, those first couple days when they came home, I said, no matter if you have to sit at lunch alone, they were both sitting at lunch alone that first week. Even if you have to sit at lunch alone, know that when you come home, you are coming home to people who love you. And we can't wait till you get home. So even if you have to get through the day being lonely, we love you and we want you here. And um, so creating that safe space. What about if there was a teen listening right now and they say, you know, my family isn't a safe safe space. I don't have that. And for that matter, I really don't know who I would talk to. I'm struggling. I don't know who to go to. Who do you recommend? Um, find me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and me too. Right. <laughs> I'm under Linda Buxa. Um, B-U-X-A. <laughs> Honestly, that is one where there are professionals out there too. I mean, people can call NAMI. There are... Spell that. N-A-M-I. There are suicide prevention phone numbers. There are people in your community who are dedicated to helping you and caring. And, and I know it's hard. Like, if you don't have parents who support you, because I know that happens. And if you don't have a good line of communication with them, find someone, find a teacher, find someone at your church, and you'll know. You can kind of sense, and I'm going to say sometimes they may not react super great, but if you just say, I need help, and if they aren't in that position, ask somebody else. And sometimes they can direct you to someone who, yes. who is. And I think part of that is being real. You know, we've talked before about social media and the whole idea that we put so much, um, so many good pictures of ourselves out there. But what if, you know, one of those true friends that you have, what if you actually reached out to them and said, I'm struggling? 
do you really think that person would turn their back on you? Because I think a lot of times when you finally get up the courage to say to someone, I'm really struggling. I remember a post that I had written for Time of Grace. It was when you are hanging by a thread, remember who holds the spool. And I shared it on my individual Facebook page, and I had a friend respond saying, I'm ready to take the oars. Because in, I had ended that blog by saying, you know, maybe you're not in the boat struggling. If you see somebody struggling, offer to hop in the boat and take the oars for a little bit. And um, my friend was good enough, a good enough friend to read through that and see she's struggling. And so... I think sometimes when people don't know you're struggling, they don't know to help you. But even if it's not your family, there's a good chance that there is a friend or someone in your church who would love to drop everything and throw their arms around you and just help you wade through the muck for a while. And I would say pray. Say, God, lead me to the person I am supposed to meet who's going to help me. Um, Because God won't fail you. And he will put the right people in there at the right time to help you walk through it. Or he'll do it himself. Yes. You know what's great is the, the account of Elijah in the Bible. He's had this great, awesome mountaintop experience where fire came down from heaven and burned up the offering. And because of that, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you because she, she was outed for the prophets, uh, for Baal not being a true God. And So he ran away into the desert by himself, and he basically said to God, I want to die. I want to die. I've had enough. God didn't send another person. He sent an angel to feed him and to say, you need some sleep. Like, you need some sleep. And then then Elijah got up, and he goes, you know what? You need to eat again, and you need to sleep again. And I think that's really important that you said, talk to God, too, because God will make it happen. He's not going to leave you all alone. He'll send somebody. You don't need to know who it is. He'll send them. It might be an angel in disguise. The Christian music world has really um, hit this lately. Are you familiar with We Are Messengers? Yes. They have a song, Maybe It's Okay, If I'm Not Okay. Do you remember that? So the the refrain says, It's okay if I'm not okay, because the one who holds the world is holding on to me. It's all right if I'm not all right, because the one who holds the star is holding my whole life. And I think that's a really important thing for us to remember, is that we're all going to be at the bottom of the pit at some point. And God was so gracious to show us so many people in his word who hit that. Like you said, even the Psalms, you know, David and and Joseph and Elijah and, you know, the three men ended up in the fiery furnace. Daniel ended up in the lion's den. But we're not going to be alone. And I think it's an important thing that the Christian community has started talking about this and saying, guys, we don't want to see your um, perfect Instagram post. If you're struggling, we want to see you. And we want you to know that you're valuable to us and we want to be here for you. Absolutely. There's a couple of studies that said the church is really good at stepping in after a suicide. Uh. But of church members whose family committed suicide, only 4% of them felt that the pastor or church leaders knew ahead of time and only another 4% of members knew. And it's like, reach out. 
because a lot of times the church just needs that opportunity to step in before to say, I will walk with you. I will be there with you um, to remind you that God's there for you. Right. But sometimes we just don't know. And so it's a matter of speaking up. I've been telling my women's Bible study um, women about this. I told them about Lou, Louis Giglio's talk, and they said, well, what can we do? We don't know a lot of the teens here, because a lot of them are older women. And I said, well, why don't we start by going up to a teen or a young adult and just saying, hey, what's your hardest class? You know, and starting a conversation and just being one more face that on Sunday morning is excited to see them here. Let's start with that, and let's make sure that they know that we love them and we're available, and then go from there. But it's certainly um, something that we have to be praying about as the body of Christ. It's certainly something we have to keep our eyes open Mm -hmm. for. And then, um, you know, we're asking you, if you're struggling today, please reach out. Please reach out to someone and keep reaching out. Like Linda said, if you reach out to the first person who says, the wrong thing or reacts the wrong way that is not um, that's not saying it's over it's saying yeah you, you got the wrong one but we all do that from time to time let's go to somewhere else yep. Look for help it's there. absolutely this has been little things because in God's kingdom the little things are the big things Please, if you need help, remember that um, we at Time of Grace would love to be here for you. So please reach out in some way so that we can offer you encouragement um, from scripture and also prayers and we can come alongside you. And um, just know that you're valuable and you are loved. Thank you for listening to part one. Join us next week for part two of this very important topic. In the meantime, please check out the episode notes where you will find links to the Suicide Prevention Hotline and also to Christian Family Solutions, who we have partnered with to have valuable counseling tools and resources for you. Don't forget also, if you are in need of prayer, to go to our website and request prayer or consider joining the Time of Grace Facebook group where you'll find other believers who can support and pray for you. Please know you are not alone. We are here for you and we're in this together.